What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 326. Wow. So three times two is six, 326. That's what it was. That's what it was. Um, yeah, simple thanks math. for joining us, as always. Um, my name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And then also, as always, I'm joined by... I'm Ron. And oh, John. I did, the, I did the I'm thing. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I just said, and John. I just hey, went with and John. So It works, you know. guys. It works. Yeah. People know. People know. People know. Um. Well, Merry Christmas Eve. Thank you. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, craziness. When this guy comes out, you know, it'll 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 be Christmas Eve, and um, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Right. What, what a time a to time. be alive. What a time. Yeah. Man. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So you know, typical fashion. We've got a bunch of new stuff to talk about. A couple, you know, kind of close a couple of loops on. A show mm-hmm. that we've been watching for its first season run and, uh, you know, kind of catch up on last week's huge release of Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. We'll kind of save that towards the end of the show because um, we probably will talk a little spoilery at the end of that. So you can tune out if you don't want to hear the spoilers. But um, also this week, we're going to be talking about Matrix Resurrections, which is in theaters and on HBO Max, um, if you'd prefer to watch it that way. And also, um, John mentioned it a little bit last week, but... Um, I know we've all at least gotten through the first three episodes of HBO's new show, Station Eleven, which is also airing now. And, uh, you know, after releasing, I think the first two or three episodes, it's coming out with like two episodes every week or Mm -hmm. some sort of release pattern like that. So, again, a lot to go through. But to start the show, we're going to kind of uh, catch up a little bit on the finale of season one (laughs) of Hawkeye. Uh oh. I got a visitor. You guys take control of this. Go ahead. You've got a sidekick. Cool. So, man, we're at the season finale of Disney Plus's Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. A crazy set of events have occurred. Last week in episode five, we were first introduced to the concept that Kate Bishop's damn mother is working with none other than Kingpin, who we've Mm -hmm. only seen in the Netflix daredevil series and now he's graduated to the uh, disney plus world so that that's where we kind of are at yeah. you know at episode five and episode six the series finale uh the season finale why did i say series finale feels like it well um, you never know with the with the disney shows i would say yeah. this this show feels the most like it left a lot of things up in the air that like could roll easily into not just another season, but just another episode. You could have, you know what I mean? So, and and I think that's partially because they kept it small and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the scale of this show as opposed to the other Disney shows. But I think you were leading up to maybe the big question, Ronald, that I I guess we can put to Steve now that he's back because this is something he can catch right up with. But how do we, how do we feel about just the way that Kingpin was handled uh, this week? He had a bit more to do last week. We saw him. It looked like classic Kingpin. I still think there's some questions as to whether the the continuity is exactly picking up from the character we saw on the other show, but it seems pretty much like they're just saying, yeah, that Kingpin on the Netflix Daredevil show is the MCU Kingpin. Or do you think he seemed different, or what? How do you feel about the way that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, came off? I mean, I, I, I do think the intention is probably to make it seem like it is the same from the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, I think if anything, it's, 
if, if people, I don't know if the, the the ambiguity that is there is really just to probably have conversations like on you know the internet to, to kind of keep the show going because <laughs> it only had six episodes. But I think you know I don't know why they would do that. You're saying we're nerding right into their hands, Steve. I think so. I think last week we were talking. I I think I may have even been the one that mentioned it. But it was like, you know, it, it is an interesting take just because of the context of everything that they've talked about with the Netflix shows before. But I mean, especially after seeing, you know, No Way Home and, you know, seeing even another element with, uh, you know, Matt Murdock being involved in that. Um, it's just like yeah. another thing that you just would say, OK, well, I mean, they laid so much groundwork in that Netflix show and it's such a beloved show um, by a lot of Marvel fans um, to have it be in some way connected to the MCU seems like something that they've just committed to at this point. Um, but in general, you know, I, I kind of feel like I, I, I really did like the show, the season uh, overall. And I did like the finale overall, but I feel like like that part or that villain, it seemed like a lot of it was like really rushed in this last episode. You know, I think the build up to showing Kingpin briefly, in the penultimate episode and, you know, seeing so much of him in this episode to me kind of seemed too, too fast. And, and, and especially where you see him end in the episode and, and what, what is or isn't going to come of his character going forward. That seemed a little haphazard to me like that, that didn't feel very well paced or handled to be honest, but I um, want to hear what you have to say about this, Ronald, but I just want to add, Steve, that's, remember, remember when we were worried, well, when I was the one who was worried about them introducing Kang or some variant of Kang yeah. in the last episode of Loki's first season, yeah. I was saying that felt like a lot to deal with in one episode, and that was why I, I didn't really know or want them to, uh, you know, to introduce Kang like that. So I yeah, think that yeah. this is like an example of what I was afraid of, that you would end up sort of, sort of introducing a character, throwing them into the mix, but not really giving them enough of a central part in the story so much so that you really could have believed there was going to be another episode after this one that kind of cleaned Absolutely. up some of those storylines but i also think that what happens with kingpin at the end of his story in this in this season like when something happens off screen we all know that means we didn't see it happen so right. i don't think we know what happened to him at all but they definitely wanted us to see a sort of a sort of down and out version of him at the end of this story that he he fought pretty well for a guy his size and age but um, you know, it, it. They wanted us to end with a notion that he can be beaten. So maybe he's going to be sort of a mid mid tier bad guy, not like a a master. What What do you right. think, Ronald? Um, I think one of the things that we all are big fans of is is storytelling, and sometimes, you know, within a short amount of time, you can really pack in a lot of story in a way that feels fair to each character and. Um, and this didn't feel fair to me. Um, this is what I was afraid of for this series, uh, is, is that, you know, in the, in the, in the process of trying to develop a character that people get left behind, it really felt like there was no true villain. It really felt like it was no true danger. It really didn't feel like for the listeners, the, I'm nodding. The, yes. Like, like the like. stakes, <laughs> it, it really didn't feel like the stakes were high enough until the last episode, which really feels like it was being shoehorned in. And this is my only argument. For six episodes, you could have spread that out in a way that felt fair and fleshed out. And it felt like the relationship between the two characters 
was yeah. a priority over establishing superheroes and villains and explosions and fighting the way that we want. And sometimes I right. feel like th- I think we're going to get to a point if they keep doing shows like this where people are like, you know, th- th- there used to be this. There was this real offensive thing that this lady said, shut up and dribble, shut up and fight, shut up <laughs> and do something that feels superhero-y and don't get all sappy and weird on me. Just kick each other's asses. Yeah. That's my that's my complaint. See, I liked that part of the show. I liked the 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 characters talking and the slow down yeah. pace and the fact that it felt like more of a character piece. And that's kind of what I I was enjoying that up through even mm-hmm. last week when, like I said, there was like a fight in a parking lot that felt that felt climactic because this show has yeah. kept it small. Um and I think when you said it didn't have a villain, I felt like the the storyline was in search of stakes in this last yeah. hour of the season because it really doesn't feel like the villains were up to anything that was that pressing. <laughs> it wasn't that they hadn't been bad. It was that, that bad things had happened in the past. It was yeah, a- yeah. ambiguous what they're doing right now. I don't maybe I missed it. They didn't feel like there was much of a ticking clock on on what the bad guys were quote unquote doing. So I do think that kind of made this feel a little bit like I I didn't feel rushed to me. It just felt incomplete in a storytelling sense. But I think mm. I started to sort of get into that vibe of just, oh, it's kind of neat that it's that it has resisted having, you know, a moment where a portal opens in the sky and a giant colored beam of light shoots down <laughs> or whatever. We didn't right. see that. Um, but it, it is weird that in re- in replace to replace the sort of like the whole universe is in trouble storyline, there was sort of nothing but like hints and allegations and. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like that approach. It's just it was an odd fit. It it did feel yeah. sort of like in the end it was very low key and I did not find myself being disappointed when it when the credits started. I did just sort of feel like, "Oh, well, cool. I, I guess they're going to do more with that or now they have all these new characters in the mix." I mean, I can see a lot of benefits that came out of this show. Um and there seems to be a big reveal maybe about Hawkeye's wife uh too that's like, "Okay, so there's a storyline that that definitely they can jump into with a second season, but it doesn't feel that urgent. It doesn't yeah. feel like they've got to find the thing to stop the thing. It feels like, oh yeah, all these characters are just sort of in play. And even uh, Jack, even uh, Tony Dalton's character um, just feels kind of introduced now. It doesn't feel like we really saw us uh, them close the loop on his story. Um, I will say at the end of the season, the element that maybe worked the least for me was the LARPers. I felt like it was yeah. sort of, it kept feeling shoehorned in and kind of awkward and like the show was winking at you saying this is our wacky element don't you love this um i didn't really need that element (laughs) but aside from that i thought this was pretty like a pretty well modulated show and and i'll say it again just extremely low-key which i did not necessarily expect and i did enjoy so i think that if they hadn't sort of scrambled for those stakes maybe it would have felt more confident and just kind of fun and kind of Shane Blackie sort of like just it's more about like you said Ronald like it or not it's more about watching these characters hang out than it is about watching them save the world yeah yeah I feel and I feel like it's almost like part of me as much as I like seeing Kingpin and Vincent D'Onofrio's you know take on that character again it's it, it, it almost felt to me like knowing that it's only a six episode season that like you know there was enough there with the people that we'd already seen in the show to really kind of get to a satisfying finale, like, and, and maybe introduce Kingpin at, like at the very, very end or something, you right. know, as like a, as a, as like a teaser or stinger or like a, like a cliffhanger type thing. But like, you know, I think in, 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 
invoking him or his, you know, his, his reputation or his presence in multiple episodes kind of made it feel like they had to do something like this. But, you know, the stuff with um, Maya and like even Yelena kind of coming for, for Hawkeye, like I feel like there was enough with mm-hmm. this idea of the past catching up with you for so many of the characters yeah. that I don't, I don't know that like the, the kingpin of it all really added anything besides just the presence of a true Marvel villain that people are familiar with. Kind of an and, Easter egg and, and like, a, right, like, right. right. Something for the fans. And, yeah. and, and it's cool. It's fun. But I mean, like, you know, when you have something as, 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 as a, you know, as a home run as he was in the, in the Netflix series as the character, I, I just think that, you know, to kind of like roll him out here, it doesn't feel, it doesn't, it doesn't have that impact. And I, I did, I did not have that impact watching it. Yeah. You know, I, it, it didn't it feel as momentous a, as well. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I think I've, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I'm just yeah. Just the point I was trying to make is just that like I think that there was enough there that I found interesting, with you know the fact that maybe his presence was looming, but like not really being a part of this story yet. You know, so much yeah. as he becomes a part of it in the last episode, like it's it ramps up too quickly to him having a real presence. Yeah. And um, the, yeah, you know, I, sense, I found I, I, I found Maya. I found Maya's conflict very interesting, and you know, her kind of realizing what's happening, and and you know, maybe the involvement of of him in her father's death, and, and not so much the Ronin character. Um, and honestly, like the Elena Natasha Hawkeye stuff, like that is some of the more interesting stuff from the whole season to me, and especially when she comes into the show, that's a presence where you're like you feel that and that feels great. And like, she really does make the best of every scene that she's in specifically with Kate. And um, that seemed like it, it, that netted way more for the show for the season. than I think, um, you know, rolling out Kingpin and, and having him really be so present in this final episode. But yeah, I, I don't know. I want to see more of them though. Obviously I, I like him as Kingpin. Yeah. Part of me feels like, uh, a better version of this conflict would have revolved around the Maya character and Kate Bishop meeting Yelena in like the second episode and then her tr- like pursuing Hawkeye pretty aggressively throughout. And then maybe the, maybe the hint of Kingpin at the end of this season. Like, like not even showing him fully. Maybe, maybe a scene just showing him that- talking. That's kind you know, of what I'm. That's yeah, what I'm. Yeah, agree. I, I would like say that, either that or or start the question of of who like reveal Vera Farmiga is is up to something er- yeah. earlier and start the question of who she's like maybe deal with Jack yeah. and then at the end of the second episode Jack seems to be locked away and we're like well he's locked away and then we go wait a minute she's behind it all and then yeah. see that she's kind of working for somebody because then I think you still could have like a cool I do think they wanted to have like Kingpin kicks ass. As what would happen, and I think that is a suitable climax. But I think the fact that when you talk about ramping up to all that in one episode, that could have felt more earned. Um, yeah. And I think it's just they want to have these reveals. They want to have something at the end of like the fourth or fifth episode that is like, oh, this is the thing everyone's going to be talking about. I, I don't know that they've quite worked out the structure of these shows just yet, because ever since last time we talked about this, Ronald, you've got me thinking about like, you know. I mean, I already thought the the Netflix shows were reasonably cinematic. But the fact that these are like almost cinematic, but in a different way, it does make you wonder like, well, what's the advantage of this new... I mean, Kingpin is a great example. Okay, 
what's what's the advantage of having him in the MCU versus the way they depicted him on the other show? Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I thought I thought he was a little scarier on Daredevil. You know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see when they bring Daredevil in if it feels like they've kind of mutated the energy of that character because there is something a little bit less. Like I don't think that on an, on a Disney Plus show you're going to see someone's exactly head, head gets uh, crushed in a door, a, yeah. a, a car door by by Kingpin. You know, like I, he, not, not that I crave that. Oh gosh, no. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying oh. that that the fact that he could go that far with something that simple and that brutal is part of why we were all excited to see him on this show and if their version of that is just let's have him throwing people around um it's okay that's fun but it's it loses a little something you know so i don't know that's one part that gets lost in the disney stuff is like we're talking about comic books where people die i mean sure they come back but like people die people fall off of things people get smashed with things and disney is kind of pussyfooting around this whole idea that somebody could get hurt and the worst that they could do is like a shot happening and then a person falling from a back view. And I'm not saying I need to see blood splatter. I'm just saying violence is handled very tenderly in this Disney world. And that <laughs> is strange for, you know, we've read these comic books where like people have died, you know, people have, you know, had things severed. You know, it's like that's kind of what's being missed in all of this stuff. Like, that's the right. Disney of it all. You know, the, uh, the of it all. That's the Disney of it all. Is that you really are getting your balls cut off when it comes to, like, what a comic book really was for people. Is like, there was violence. And this is, and violence is, like, like, on a lower tier of a thing in this world. And I'm not trying to say that violence is the only thing that people look to comic books for, but... Yeah, man. I want to see somebody get kicked in the fucking chest and fall off a building. It's just what I want to see. It happens all the time in comic books. It just, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and I think it's just a matter of certain things that you just know they aren't going to do. And it's like, okay, that like that was a that was a slightly different feel those shows and so you know i'm I'm not one to complain about the sort of homogenized style because i think that's part of what makes these these mcu things work together but there are sometimes where you realize "Eh, yeah they probably won't they probably won't go back to that tone exactly this 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 slightly slightly goofier version of kingpin might be like the baddest ass that we get but i still will say ultimately i ended this show still just fine with everything, and you know, like I don't think anybody really came off looking like, oh, this this performance sank the show, or this storyline really didn't work. Outside of that Larper thing, which I just felt like was, <laughs> it just felt wedged in. It just felt like we yeah. were supposed to be giggling at that the whole time, and it, I don't think it it made me laugh once. But yeah. but I I like the idea of like, oh, they're so low rent that they have to kind of get regular schmoes to help them out. I like that. Right. But it was just a little little silly though it was executed. I I did I did enjoy the show overall. Um, So uh, so if we're going to put something in this show's stocking, yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) For this episode, since it's our Christmas Eve episode, we're stuffing the sock stuffing the stockings of the of the projects that we're talking about. (laughs) So what do we want to put in the stocking for Hawkeye? Do we want to put a gift card? Do we want to put Reese's, which is one tier down? A gift card is great. Reese's is pretty good. Chapstick is okay, and then mm. coal. That's a that's a big drop. Um, what would you um, give it? I'll put some chapstick in it. It'll be some Sephora chapstick. It's 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 high end. It's pretty good. You know, it's quality, but it's mm-hmm. chapstick nonetheless. You're getting some chapstick, Hawkeye. 
I'll go with the Reese's. Uh, I'm going Reese's, some Reese's too. Yeah. yeah, I might even go to the Reese's with the Reese's pieces in it. Oh yeah, oh, what? You know, get a little get just for being kind of like you know a nice little holiday thing, a little crunch, you know, yeah, a little something, something. I'm gonna uh, give them it's the. Just not, um, it's just not there yet for me, all the way up there. I'm what I'm doing is I'm just like a, like a grandma who's just really trying to win points. I'm getting like a king sized Reese's sticks, so you get four of the little Reese's sticks with the wafers okay. and everything. So I'm gonna give one of those. But yeah, I think pretty good, pretty good plus is about where I would put yeah. Hawkeye overall. It had elements I loved, but overall, it was just a pretty solid thing. And I haven't heard anything about whether it's coming back. But if, again, it feels like the, of all of them, the the you know maybe the one that's the most primed just to be outside of Loki, which we know has like a continuing storyline. But I just mean, yeah. could you have another season of this basic vibe? I think Hawkeye yeah. could easily, you know, be a fun second yeah. season. Yeah. So it's not Hawkeye's fa- fault that it's not trending this 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 week it's not man i feel so bad for it (laughs) it's not hawkeye's fault it's like if this fell any other time of the year people would be like oh my god did you see cake bed now it's like "Eh." we got lots of well i mean you know maybe when we after we talk about spider-man we'll talk about this kind of year of marvel that we just finished up that was a lot of marvel hell yeah so well, let's uh, talk about another show that we now have all seen the first few episodes of. This is uh, HBO, or is it Cinemax? Who, which HBO. which shing- this is? It's an HBO series, Station Eleven, yeah. uh, and it's it's based on a book that was very highly regarded. It's been in development for a little while. It's sort of just a a look at the future of mankind after a, a pandemic event wipes out a lot of people. And mm-hmm. so, if it sounds like the leftovers, it's not really like the leftovers, but it has in common with that show the sort of tone maybe of Finding people who are in a morally ambiguous situation, it reminds me yeah. of, of Lost, too, in Definitely. that sense of just, you're getting people's stories and finding out what sort of choices they've made. And it's slow. It's slowly spooling out those stories of the characters, but but we are still getting deeper and deeper, as, as of the third episode, we're still getting deeper and deeper glimpses of some of the timelines that we've we've been given a peek of, you know? So it's like the, the implications of picking those timelines to follow, I think we're still seeing it pay off more and more as we go. It's impossible to know what this, the real scope of this thing is. What does everybody think? Station Eleven. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we started recording today. Like, this is the kind of show where I feel like some people just are going to have a hard time watching it um, only because of, like, the raw nerve of what we're still going through right now as, mm-hmm. as, uh, as people, as humans, as a nation, as a world. Like, it's just a little bit scary to watch. And, I mean... Yeah, um, I mentioned it last episode. It was so weird, like right before the pandemic hit, like I was actually in Chicago and I saw a portion of them filming this uh, show in- in- inadvertently. I saw them filming like the a part of the sequence, like when um, uh, they find the brother's hotel or mm-hmm. his apartment complex, like in the snow, mm. you know, like that, that whole oh, in the snow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I think it's when they're coming out of it um, oh, uh, wow. a- after they've been there for eight months. But um it's so surreal to like what to have seen that and know the show is about a pandemic and then have a pandemic of our own and still be in it when the show comes out. And then to watch that pilot episode, mm-hmm. it was really hard to watch. Like yeah. I, I can totally see some people having trouble getting through a show like this. Um, it is very, um, it's a very popular novel and it's got a huge fan base and I can see the appeal. Um, and obviously I'm, 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 I'm in to see the show all the way through, and I can't wait to see more of it. Um, but yeah. just to speak directly to that first episode, like when you really kind of see the start of it, 
it's like a little mini version of contagion, you know, and it kind of, it sets up this, um, this idea of a, of a, of a bit of a time jumping narrative, you know, where we're basically from what we've seen so far in the first three episodes, some version of like a, a four ish plus, um, different timeline in terms of different uh, years that we're kind of jumping around in between of the story, you know, starting with episode one, which is like present day in 2020. Um, and it's just, uh, I mean, in some, it, as the first three, like I, I'm, I'm again, I'm so in on the show. Like, I think it's a incredibly made. The cast is amazing. Um, I can't wait to see more of the cast and more of where their characters are going. Um, I do hope I get to see more of Himish Patel. I, I really, really like him. And, um, uh, you know, he's, he's very present in that first episode again, um, as, as what is his name? Is it J- Javine? Javon? Javine? I think, um, Javine? I think it's Javon. I th- yeah. I think it's Javon. I don't know, whatever it is, his character, like in that first episode, like the, 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 how quickly it escalates. It's, yeah. It's like Javon. It's like spelled yeah, G- yeah, J. Yeah. I knew it had a double E in it somewhere. It's J E E V A N. So it's Javon. Okay, cool. But like just how quickly that escalates for that character and the realizations that he comes through like over the course of an evening or so, you know, and yeah. that is it's just very scary. And like the whole sequence at the supermarket and, you know, that that employee uh, asking if he should be worried or if he should go home or, you know, that was hard to watch. Like that made me very emotional. Well, that whole that whole um, let's talk a little bit about the dynamics of those characters now that you guys have seen it, because yeah. that whole scene where Javon is with uh, Kristen or Kirsten trying to decide uh, like how to how to take her with him because he doesn't want to kidnap a little girl. He doesn't yeah, want to yeah, do anything yeah. creepy, but he, he sort of does not want her to walk off by herself. That whole conversation where he's trying to negotiate like. Okay, you have to want to come with me. You have to like yeah. say you want to come with me. I'll do, let you do whatever you want, but I think you know it might be better. And then he ends up lying to her, uh, you know, to get her to come with him. But like it's like a benevolent lie. But you you feel the touchiness of that situation because even what he's doing buying all the groceries, like this is if this turns out not to be a doomsday scenario, you're in you're in a, a you're in trouble. You know what I mean? You've yeah, done something yeah. strange. So it is a little bit like trying to figure out, like, are we in doomsday rules yet? Because if we're in doomsday rules, then obviously I've got to take care of this eight-year-old. But if we're not in doomsday rules, this is someone else's kid. And yeah. I'm a brown man in America standing here with someone's white kid. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt like I felt all of that. And I felt like yeah. that the that the character dealing with... that That is a great microcosm for the kind of stuff that's going on in this show. The sort of scenes that they give you between characters that I think take away the sting of the the bleakness and the grimness that we're talking about because it yeah. finds room for like interesting character dynamics that are always fun in this type of story. I hate to say I hate to use the word fun, but it's true. They are fun to watch some characters bounce off of each other. And yeah, the I I'm surprised that I find this show watchable because when I read the byline I was like Oh, that book always sounded interesting, but now that I'm now that we're in post-pandemic life, I'm like right. or mid-pandemic life, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm in the mood for a, a like a dystopian scenario, or especially like I don't mind picking up with the dystopia. I don't want to read in detail or watch in detail, watch society fall apart. I feel like I feel like I've witnessed yeah. some of that already. I don't I don't want to relive it. Right. There were yeah. there were things about it that just felt very close to home, like that. When when that guy was in the supermarket, reminded me 
of I I'm keep this as vague as I can. When I was working in DC, like three months before things happened, uh, most of the people that I worked with asked to work from home. And I had no idea why they didn't say why, but it was happening and it kept happening. And Mm -hmm. it went from like asking to demanding. Nobody said anything. Nothing was on the news that could indicate it, but they were privy to information that we didn't have. It was crazy. Yeah. And then when, when it happened, uh, trash stopped getting picked up in my neighborhood. All the businesses around me closed. The supermarkets were not open in some of the areas. So it was like, it felt like I was in the middle of this show. It was triggering, man. Like yeah. it got, I got, Imagine honestly, I got kind of emotional because I remember the feeling of being, you know, we lived downtown. That was like our move before we moved to to, to the <laughs> county and tried to, we're like, let's, let's spend our last stay in the city. And then a lockdown happened. And we didn't have access to hardly anything. And and businesses were doing this cool thing where, like, they were kind of off the grid and delivering things. There was, like, mm-hmm. this rogue list of businesses that were doing things in the city. And you could yeah. call them, and they would deliver things. you pay pay some of them more cash. They had alcohol businesses and stuff like that. It was weird, man. It didn't feel real. It yeah. didn't feel real. Um, and this show really does give you some insight into how quickly that can escalate, especially if you weren't paying attention the first time when it happened this time. I was, unfortunately, because I dealt with a research company, I was acutely aware of everything that was happening as it was happening. I was trying to warn my friends very quickly, but it really, it felt like that. It felt very, oh my God, it's getting really bad. I'm telling you, it's getting really bad. My friends would be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. He's like, I, I, I can't walk right now. I'm sick. I'm, I'm, it's, it got weird. It got really weird. So this triggered yeah. the shit out of me. I'm going to be honest. I kind of bawled. The third episode, I just started crying, to be completely honest with you. The second episode, the text, little girl, the te- oh, little girl the got text. the text. Got, that, 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 that was like that unexpected. Was like, oh, I didn't even think about. Again, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just knowing these things have happened to these characters. It's witnessing yeah. these characters cope with them when they're happening. That can be so like torturous when you're dealing with this kind of scenario. Because you you know you might have to live through that kind of thing sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't know. Anytime it's about someone wasting away from a disease or people losing people or whatever, it just yeah. makes me brace myself because it's like, yep, I know they're going to have to have that part where we see the character go through the worst yeah. thing a person can go yeah. through. Otherwise, they're not doing their job as storytellers. Yeah. Um, but again, they're, they're still finding, I, I, just at the risk of making it sound grim, they still find these moments for these little glimmers of humanity and people being kind yeah. to each other. Or I don't know, the, it feels like it's it's not trying to be bleak and grim. But it's almost impossible to figure, like, what show did they think they were making before this all happened now it feels like it's a torn from the headlines kind of scenario yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, like yeah. what show you know what i mean what what would this show have been without the recent events you know yeah. would it would it just be too bleak or would it seem i don't know i wonder how i would feel about it i think maybe i'm even though i'm less interested in this kind of subject matter because life has gotten strange i also think i'm a little bit more accepting of it because life has yeah, gotten strange yeah, yeah. so yeah, it it is a really good show. Like you know, that's that's one thing that I I I I failed to say as I was talking about the triggering of it. It is a a beautifully told story, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this and this connectedness with this book that exists 
I'm I'm really interested to see. Oh yeah, like the graphic novel. Yeah, the graphic novel uh, within the entitled, story, right? Yeah, Station Eleven. Station Eleven. Uh, that is kind of woven throughout this, and is there is a really cool commentary about a couple of things that I'm watching. Matrix too. I can't wait to talk about that. But like the idea of how art informs the things that you create. I, I, life informs the art that you create, and how you know one thing you do may be a series of. 50 things you've experienced and little pieces from it. And then you kind of don't know until you're like really looking at the whole thing and like, oh man, I did this because, you know, in third grade, I I liked, you know, I read a Spider-Man comic and in fourth grade, I did this. And when I was 25, I did this. Like there's a real cool underlying story about art and its creation. Yes. That is going throughout it. That is, that is honestly, that's, <clears throat> excuse me equally as emotional as the, even the pandemic stuff. Cause that is, has a strong effect on how the story's told. And the, in the lead, uh, the, the woman who, who has written station 11, I, I don't know her name, but she is out of this world. Good. Um, and I can't stop like thinking about the weight of that Miranda Carroll, um, who's played by, um, Daniel Deadweiler, Danielle Deadweiler, mm -hmm. uh, just out of this world good. And um, for 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 the performances alone, I'd say check this out. You will not regret it. You'll be sad, but there it once it picks up, there is a lot of hope in it. There is a lot of hope in this story in the storytelling. Well, like you said, it's about artists, and it's about like there's a there's like theater and i mean there's different stuff oh, that's man. that's like what society when it's rebuilding or when it's like holding on to its its soul kind of like you know and i think yeah. that idea of theater and art being part of the part of civilization but like when do we need them and like when would we say we need those things again after a period of of yeah. you know rebuilding so i've always found that interesting so i think it's also like a really interesting like thinking about when it picks up like i don't know that i don't know that we're even at a point where the show truly is picked up you know like i feel like right. the show seems like it's such a you made the loss comparison and you know it definitely feels like that to me and even the leftovers still too like where there was this the idea of a mystery box and like you have this graphic novel yeah. in this movie or in this series that seems to be such and, and again I, I haven't read the books so i don't know anything about the story i don't know where it goes but you know you have these um elements already in place over the first three episodes that are very ambiguous and, you know, that you are starting to get some sort of understanding of, but there's, you know, for every one that gets introduced and you kind of like, Oh, I get it. Like, you know, he, they, he, she met him here and they, they were together here. And like, but there's all this, like there's lines of dialogue that are from this graphic novel. And it's like, well, how did, how did that person get that graphic novel when there's yeah. only one of them? Or, you know, like there's all these little things, like for every, like one thing you, find out like two more pop up that you're like yeah. ah what's that you know like yeah. so i and i really like that like i like that the that the um the scope of it seems very organic with whatever this story is going to ultimately be about and that so much of it is going to be about you know this you know the the after the actual pandemic stuff like it seems like the pandemic is an inciting incident but it seems like the story is really the post uh, of it all and yeah. you know the idea of what this graphic novel is and even some of the um the imagery in the show so far kind of like how the the, pro the pilot episode ends 
um, you know, the, the pilot episode ends like, you know, with this like bird's eye view of, of what civilization looks like from space with this man in an astronaut suit that, you know, you then see on the cover of this graphic novel and that you then see in an episode, you know, yeah. closer in the third episode. There's just uh, this iconography that, you know, is kind of permeating the first three episodes and just so ripping off seemed... Last Man on Earth, basically, with yeah, the right. astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> so some is of it, it Jason Sudeikis like... up there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, some of it just seems like, I don't want, it doesn't seem supernatural. It's not the word I'm looking for, but it's it's kind of like there's something higher at play, you know, like something yeah. Yeah. else is going on. And I like that bending nature of like, there's a scene with the the Miranda character, the, the writer of the graphic novel, like where she's, interviewing for a job and like they're talking the interviewer the, the employer is talking about like the the shortest distance between these oh, pens that he has on his table I love and just the way thing. he explains that to her you know that's obviously something that informs and influences her graphic novel like yeah. immensely yeah and just that idea of time and space and things like that and, and the way this story seems to be given to us with time jumping around so much and somehow the story flows through us watching it at these weird time intervals. It, it, it's really interesting. And I think the show is going to end up being pretty amazing if it kind of continues on the path that it's on. So I'm, yeah. and yeah, like you, we've all said, the cast is really love Mackenzie Davis. So I can't wait to see her just probably she's tear amazing. this show up. Like she's so good. Um, yeah. Well, it's also, it's, so it's also fun to watch an actor we've seen like her who's in these yeah. indie things and does these intense Things that are called up, you know, she's asked to do. It's fun to watch a, an actor like that spread out and kind of play a, a, a well-rounded character that we spend time with, like like this. Yeah. I mean, already she yeah. she feels like there's a side to her that I haven't seen her play. But uh, yeah, she's always great. So, and I think yeah. it's across the board. Though any faces you recognize, that you know, it's 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 a pretty interesting cast. They're not necessarily people that you've gotten tired of. They're people that you recognize. It's actors that you've seen before, but it feels like, okay, this is a chance for some of these actors to kind of step up and, um, you know, we always talk about the HBO, like the, the, the budgetary aspect, the fact that they, their world building is very strong. When they put a show on, it's already been right. developed pretty, pretty well. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I think how this show is going to be different from other shows that it might get lumped in with, like you mentioned, the kind of not quite supernatural, but just a general sense of there being some kind of design to the way that even just the way that we see the different stories at the different times and how they're going to interconnect. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. extremely intrigued. And I especially agree that we probably haven't seen what it is yet, you know? Yeah, right. yeah, I agree. Uh, one more thing I wanted to say uh, Matilda Lawler, the uh, little kid that plays young Kirsten, is carrying this world in a, in a way that I just have never seen a kid have to do. She is, she's processing things in front of people and acting her ass off mm -hmm. in front of people. And it just feels very like. I don't know where this kid learned how to act, but like, you know, because because sometimes kid actors can be like too much, too much. She's doing subtlety in a way like little subtle things and just a nuance to her performance that is just out of this world. Like if this kid doesn't win anything, I don't think that. They've watched the show. Like, well, she's playing a, a successful child actress too. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I think that you have to uh, kind of believe that her character has 
has learned how to behave and act around adults, especially yeah. because when you're a child actor on the stage, you're around adults a lot and you're expected to like have this kind of composure. So I think the fact that she's thrown into all these situations and we see, like you said, kind of an amazing, she, she seems like she's got this composure. I think a lot of that may come from the fact that the character is intended to be like sort of an, uh, sort of a, a, a pr- what's the word, preternaturally or like prematurely mature uh, yeah. kid already. So I think that, yeah, it's an interesting character, an interesting approach. That She's almost like stoic, the way that yeah. she just lets things happen and watches things. So good. All right, well, let's, uh, let's decide what to put in the stocking of this Stockings. project. <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll give I'm, a gift card. You'll give a gift card? I'm, I'll, give, I'm, I'll give a gift card. I'm in wh- for this Where's one. the gift card to? Um, whatever the name of the grocery store, because uh, that ten thousand dollar bill, I'm sure the yeah. show could use a gift card to help oh, pay. Man. So maybe Devon's a ten thousand dollar gift card. We all we all team up and give <laughs> we'll it a ten thousand dollar. Yeah, we can pitch in if you guys okay. are if you guys are down. We yeah. Can. <laughs> I was thinking that or GameStop. So I don't you know whichever. <laughs> uh, so I'll give it a gift card to a super Walmart. There you go, Wally World. There you go. Yeah. So I, I think we all pretty much thought it was it was a good show, man. Like it's. I mean, I think it's like it's actually like half a Reese's and half a gift card because I think this is like so far I'm hooked. I think it's really good. Yeah. I but I, but like Steve, I believe this can be something really special and really amazing as it yeah. as it rolls along because it's that kind of show. It's a little bit plot driven, but it's more than that. It's got like a some kind of it's leading you towards some. Something, you know, yeah. so we'll have to see yeah. what that is. We'll come back and talk once we've seen a few more. So cool. Why don't right. you guys talk about, uh, why don't you guys talk about the matrix? Okay. What do you think? You guys down with that? Yeah. Or some version of me is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since this is a simulation and yeah. Trapped in a loop. Real. Yeah, we're just going through the motions, saying um, words that we don't even know what they mean. I don't know what I'm saying, Ronald. Do you know what yeah. you're saying? No, no, not at all. So that's I the matrix. Like this- <laughs> <laughs> What's the next topic? <laughs> uh, so this is this is the fourth movie, right? Right. This is Matrix Resurrections, which yeah. is sort entry. of. I feel like I knew this before the movie comes out and says it, and mm. but the movie comes out and says this. This is like in the early part of the movie that someone mentions like. It's a meta aspect of talking about making more Matrix or making a sequel to the Matrix. Um, and within the movie, that makes sense. And someone basically says, if you don't come back and do it, then someone else is going to do it. And I feel like I knew somehow, maybe I'd even read, I don't know if, if Lana Wachowski in an interview has said that, that she came back to do this partially because she knew that Warner Brothers was going to try to turn the Matrix into one of these uh, yeah, uh, never dying franchises, you know, uh, and th- and that it was like, okay, do you want to be part of it or do you want us just to do it without you? And so I got yeah. that impression that and and Lily Wachowski sat this one out. Um, I think has retired from the film industry as far as you yeah. you know, but 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 that Lana had an idea and and but I don't think it was like oh I was sitting around and I had a great idea for a Matrix movie that has to happen. It was more like oh they're gonna make one anyway. I'm gonna get in there. Here's my here's my idea slash commentary on even making another Matrix movie. And I feel like this movie is doing both of those things. It's attempting to be, as you said, the fourth one in a big franchise, but it's also basically saying, what do you really want from one of these 
one of these sequels to a sequel to a sequel. And like, do you really want the creators that you love to be trapped making the same thing over and over again, rather than a success like Matrix, meaning you can make whatever you want, not that you can make more Matrix movies, you know? So, right, right, you right. know, I think the movie's trying to do both things. Did, did you feel that, Ronald, that it was like a tug of war between like a story and like a parable where everything's a symbol for something? <laughs> and then there's the other part where these are characters that you're supposed to care about. And I didn't find that... Yeah. I, I found that balance to be off in some spots. It was sometimes hard for me to view these these concepts as characters. This was like the the cabin in the woods or the scream of this of this. <laughs> it really was like mm-hmm. there's Steve. There's literally a scene where these men are in a, in a, a, a staff is in a pitch room talking about the Matrix, the game in 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 the in the, the game movie. within the story like in the story, the story it's a game that was made by Thomas Anderson and and yeah. it, it had its three versions or I don't know if they say yeah. that but it's like it's very meta it's extremely yeah. meta that they're like you're going to make a part 4 so there's a bunch of stuff happening at the same time so on top of that in real life i mean like IRL like me have played there's a matrix game that it just has just come out the Unreal Engine, which is a new video game engine that's also used for special effects in movies, yeah. has a Matrix game, like a demo, where you're basically in this um, environment and you're not supposed to be able to discern real life from the from this video game. It's it's wow. getting to that point where yeah. things are things are almost at a point lighting wise, uh, you know, physics wise that we can't discern the two. So these guys are talking about what makes the Matrix game so special, and it really does touch on like fan theories to uh, things you've said about things feeling like a simulation to right. you know can we make another one that's just as smart? Were the old ones bad? It's just like all this stuff kind of it's a Reddit post in the scene <laughs> form that really is. An indication of what you're taking on once this once you get past this scene, you know what it is. It it is just a deep and shallow commentary on what this movie is, what this movie m- means for the culture too. I did you did you what did you think about that? What did you think about just how it played out and? Well, I think I think yeah, I'll, I I can kind of expound on the idea, but I do think that. If there's anything that has always kind of kept me at arm's length about like getting emotionally involved in the Matrix movies, as opposed to thinking that they look really cool and that the action, sometimes the sequences are just amazing, mm-hmm. um, it's just that idea that like once you've gone and said, well, no, the, like this is a code and this is a program and it's inside this and this is a, re- a redo of this and actually everything that you're seeing has happened a million times before. It's like, I, I, I find that emotional through line back in that. Like, I think the Matrix trilogy that ended years ago, it ended with this notion of like a, a Christ-like sacrifice uh, on the part of Neo and uh, Trinity, you know, which of course, based on their names, it's like, okay, it's again, there's so much about the Matrix movies that is so on the nose and like painfully on the nose, but there's also no question that the Wachowskis were very smart about the way they put this together. And especially like their appreciation for a lot of the things that they, that they kind of synthesized into the Matrix, like, um, you know, different forms of different cultures, storytelling and different, different kinds of mythology and technology, technological ideas mixed with mythological ideas. And I think all that stuff is really interesting. And I think it's always been exciting to see 
happen, you know, and I think this movie on a big screen would have had probably a little bit more of an impact on me. I don't think it's quite visually up to the snuff, up to the snuff, up to snuff, as as, as far as this franchise, I, it felt a little bit, I mean, I still always wonder if the settings on my television are just making uh, everything look too crisp now and almost too video-like, but this movie, like, I don't think it was as pretty as the other Matrix movies, it's but I think, not- I, think, I think the Wachowskis have done lots of stuff, though. They're not quite Peter Jackson, but they're interested in, like, super high res and, you know, different kinds of imagery. So I don't know. I, I think that there were some cool touches, but overall I felt like where this movie kind of needed to really wow me and it felt it didn't quite was in that like huh. like like finding a new bullet time. They even make a reference to it in the movie. We've got to yeah. find a new bullet time, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's like I appreciate that they do that, but uh, but I guess my point is you 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 can't always like you can be really clever, and I do think they're very clever. All that meta stuff we're talking about was was if it, it felt so self aware that you have to give them credit for coming out with that idea. This is not you know the movie we're about to talk about, Spider Man No Way Home, um, is a movie that like like cashes in on nostalgia in a way that I think really pays off, but it like leans into this idea of like the value of these myths. This is like a a fourth movie in a series that dares to sort of question what it is you value about this series. But in the end, it felt to me like, I don't know, like without spoiling the story, there's not much else I can say about like where it actually goes, but it is kind of a love story. And they do kind of, it does feel a little bit like one of those sequels that's like, oh, we're, we're attempting to kind of scale it back and strip this idea down to something a little bit simpler. And again, I thought scene to scene, there were things that worked and things that didn't. O- overall, I came out of it feeling a little, like when it was over, I was like, well, I watched that. Um, <laughs> but that's not to say that there aren't some some pretty interesting moments. And again, there are some really cool looking bits of action, the way it's choreographed, just the lighting. You know, I don't know how you felt about the visuals. I know you, you are very in, in tune to the visuals and the sound mix, Ronald. I definitely want to hear your assessment of that. But to me, it felt like it was not the Wachowskis' best, and it was not the best Matrix sequel. Um, and it did maybe begin to make you question, as all sequels to sequels can, like, what is it about this that we're really coming back to? What is it that we really value about the ideas behind the Matrix at this point? Um, and I'll, I'll actually be interested to see if this is a thing that kicks off a new phase for this, or if it kind of sits idle for a little while because of this one. Sometimes I wonder if so much time has passed that um, the creators themselves have kind of forgotten what made this thing special. Um, this, you, this is so weird. I never thought I'd ever say this. You know what I think should do this? Who should... Okay, I'm going to just throw a name. We love this dude. Denis. <laughs> has a love for for this sort of thing, and I think that he could have mm. pulled off a better Matrix than than the Wachowski uh, Wachowski at this point. Like it feels like this feels like so much of a so self aware and so parroting in itself and paying homage to itself, literally showing footage beside uh, you know things happening at at, at sometimes. That it almost feels like, oh man, I'm gonna say this feels like Lana did this one, right? Yeah, yeah. This feels like Lana's only God forgives. 
<laughs> you say that about everything now. <laughs> no, no, man. I think he says that to lower my expectation. He, he does. So I can just go but, in and but maybe isn't enjoy it, the movie. It's no, inevitable but, now that you're going to be like, hey, it's not so bad, you know? It's not. Yeah, but you know, know what I'm like, saying. But you know what I'm saying, man. Like, there's, there's like a, there's a, what you're saying. Like, if, if it were the thing for like Sony, like Sony had a has a contractual obligation. In order to keep the the franchise, they have to make another movie, right? What if Lana was presented with the same thing? Like, Lana, look, we're going to make this movie with or without you. And she was like, okay, cool. And she shit on it. She shit on it. It's like, you think this is like a, this is like a, so you're, are you saying that like she like, it's doing both? It's it's like, it's, it's, because, because she can or yeah it's paying some fan service but like it pays so much fan service and it's trying to serve the purpose of being a sequel that it, it maybe maybe missing what made the first and second i'm gonna exclude the third what made the first two special is is not i'm not saying imitate the entire movie i'm not saying that you don't have to have the same style it could be nuts but Well, you know, it's interesting how much it tries to go against that, Ronald, how much it like tries to like it does yeah. both things. It it, it yeah. actually spends 30 minutes trying to make you think it's not interested at all in sequelizing the other movies, you know? Yeah. But then yeah. it also has a moment where where Neo fights some people and then says after that, I still know Kung Fu. Yeah. Okay, that's you know? another thing. So I'm saying it's like it's doing both those things. It's doing like a subversive, like not the sequel, not your granddad's sequel, you know. Uh, and it's turning around and having lines that are like, you know, granddad version callbacks to lines yeah. from the first movie. So I don't know. I think that like I think that's it in a nutshell. And it's not to say that it won't be entertaining or enjoyable to some people in between those, because I do think some of the moments of mythology that they try to scrape like out of this, and also just that I I don't blame them for feeling like there's a, a universe to play around with here. I don't blame them for thinking this idea has some juice in it for story. I think that what yeah, this right. movie is continually saying is why do you want to keep seeing the same story why do you want you know so it is a little bit shitting on it steve on purpose like it is a little bit of a uh you know what's the saying like the fox is in the hen house or something with this idea that like lana wachowski was interested in in sort of giving the middle finger to the idea of a nostalgic matrix movie but somewhere in there she made a movie that does that does worship (laughs) especially the first movie with all the reference yes yes yeah no a good point ronald it's it's very literal but like the cuts very literal it's meant to make it's it's like we come into this all assuming that we know the first movie is like the most important thing ever you know what i mean and and that's kind of how it progresses but you know you can't you can't be the Wachowskis or a Wachowski and not have some shots that are cool or some some effects that are like well choreographed. It's just here's a good example too for me. There's a moment where there's a character like fighting in a hallway and they're like running around on the walls, which you kind of expect in a Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. And it remember how exciting that was the first time you saw it and how much of a yes. purpose it served to have the character like dodging fire bullet fire by running around on the walls in this it kind of feels like the old mr t cartoon when he would say come on kids let's go his 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 team was a they were a bunch of gymnasts and then the the stock animation they had of them like lurching into action was always them like somersaulting and cartwheeling across Mm, the room and it was always pointless just because they're gymnasts that's not how they get around you know yeah but it feels like in the matrix world that's just how hey guys come on somebody's just going to run along the wall in the ceiling just because they can that's kind of what it started to feel like (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. 
But there were still so, some cool fights. I thought the fight between Groff and uh, Keanu, Jonathan Groff and Keanu Reeves, I thought there were some good some good moments there. But I, someone said it looks like Keanu's saving himself for John Wick Four, and I yeah. did see I did see a little like there is there is a little bit of clumsiness in some of the action choreography that I was a little surprised to see. Like maybe they could have edited it a little tighter or something. It didn't but, feel the wow. same. Like there's like a there's a pace to the fighting in the the original trilogy that you just aren't seeing in this one it it feels like but but i thought that it was just keanu and then i saw other people like huh it's like you know what i mean yeah it's just spare me with that so so you guys didn't like this i mean tell me tell me what you're putting in the stocking and i'll i'll answer my own question okay yeah I, I i think i'm giving it i think i'm giving it chapstick I think I'm okay with. I think I thought it was okay. Yeah, I'm giving it. I'm giving it chapstick too. Um, this is again Sephora chapstick. It's like it's lip balm. It's like you know. Yeah. You really want it, but I'm giving them the whole Burt's Bees like little zipper pack that's got like you know the 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 chapstick, the, the balm, the yeah. variety. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Have Have you ever seen a books for Christmas video? I think I've talked to you about this before. Look up when you get a chance YouTube on YouTube books for Christmas. It's this little kid okay. that gets books for Christmas and he is pissed. He calls the books poop. <laughs> but he screams, Book for books for Christmas? What the heck is this? This is poop. <laughs> it's like the funniest video, but it really is how I felt about this. Like this is books for Christmas. Um this is really what, I, but I, but something about it I really liked. It, well, no, I was going to say the sincerity of it, and and like the the sort of, that's why I feel a little, yeah. I, yeah. I, that's why I'm saying I'm going to give him some nice chapstick. This is you'll like, see what, yeah, you'll see. It. Only God forgives. Right. This is this I, is. The, you'll see. Right. You you think I'm playing, but you see those ratings, and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's you, like, you know, you know okay. those movies, Steve, where you want to give them credit for trying something, and then mm-hmm. you also want to say, but it didn't. You know. <laughs> Be honest that it work. didn't quite work, right. <laughs> right? Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Okay. The, the, also, the, the Wachowski penchant for like weird old age makeup is is well in place. There's yes, yes, yeah. yes. When you look square in the middle of somebody's face and like, man, that is those aren't wrinkles. Those are literally just makeup cracks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very, very jagged. Where where there would not be wrinkles, the direction of the wrinkles are weird. <laughs> you were you were going to be impressed. <laughs> I'm feeling Steve's going to really enjoy this movie now because because we we may have sufficiently lowered expectations. He's got a finger yeah. up. Yeah, he's taking a break. Taking a break. Taking a break. Taking a break. But yeah, taking yes. off a break. So, of that I'm trying to think about other parts time. about it. Uh, yeah, I mean. You're right. There's a sharpness to it that I just don't didn't like. I kind of wish that there was a haze. So, so I, uh, Matrix has been remastered pretty recently. Um, you know, it's worth checking out. But it, there's like a ha- a beautiful kind of greenish bluish haze that mm-hmm. existed on the on the film that looked really cool that this doesn't have. And I'm not saying that every movie should have this in the series, but it really gave it a, a uniqueness. Because movies still don't look like that. Kind of have that haze to the movie. But I don't know, man. 
strange, strange stuff. I, I'm obviously very excited to see this Matrix movie. I mean, I love the original one specifically. It's one of probably my favorite. Like, I don't know where it where it ranks, but I, I love the Matrix. Mm. Um, sequels are fun. Not not anything special for me, especially the third one, like you said, Ronald. But what I've been reading about this one and what you guys have just basically confirmed, it, I, I'm a little concerned about it. Uh, but, you know, I'm very intrigued and very interested to see from like what the what the attempt looks like, because if yeah. there's anything that, you know, whether it's both of them or, or one of them in this case, like it does, you know, they're definitely uh, filmmakers who like swing for the fences, you know, in a lot of ways. And, you know, it works sometimes it doesn't work other times. You know, you look at like this speed racer movie or even cloud Atlas, like these are really some grand ideas. And uh, this one seems like, if, if if not like uh, successful, definitely like a in, like a unique or interesting take on what this sequel to this like legacy property could look like. And mm-hmm. from what you described, it, it kind of sort of makes me even more interested in seeing it. But um, I don't know. We'll see. But um, let's uh, let's wrap this up and get into Spider Man. I know we've been excited to talk about this. We really haven't talked about it much amongst one another. You know, if, you know, right. since we saw it uh, over the last week. But um, so, yes, Spider-Man No Way Home, Um, I guess, with the exception of the Hawkeye finale, which came out the week after it, I mean, kind of the cap on Marvel's grand year of, you know, 2021, you know, where they've got four movies that account for basically four out of the top 10 movies of the year, top five, even, I think Um, the other one, I think, is the other Marvel property that Sony put out, Venom. But um and then they've got your Disney Plus shows, which was what four four shows? Well, five if you count What If. So five, oh yeah, five including What If, right, right. So yeah, I mean, this is the one. This is the movie that you know uh, all the box office gurus have been talking about. Like this is the movie that could, should, would save the box office. You know, at least in terms of some semblance of it. You know, still in this pandemic that we're going through even paul thomas anderson was in the news saying spider-man was going to save the movies you know like right right people people always try to get him to talk shit about about like tentpole movies and stuff and he always either says no i like those movies he actually i think said he liked venom a lot um he did uh, but um even beyond liking them he seems to appreciate what they do for movies and let he knows that it takes all kinds you know of movies and, and he grew up watching all kinds so why would, sure. he get, why would he be churlish about it now? So I, I don't know. I think that, yes, everybody was talking about this movie as kind of like, even we when we were talking about which movies were going to get kicked back and change the release dates and all that stuff, it seemed like what are they going to do with Spider-Man is the real question there because this is the real, I mean, if you had Black Widow, if you had Shang-Chi, if you had the Eternals, those are all sort of, uh, you know, new characters either more niche, an attempt to start something a little different. There's a lot about those movies that you might have said was more of like a um, a, a bold new idea or something different for Marvel. Whereas this is like, this is Batman for the Marvel universe. Sure. You know what I mean? This is yeah. the most popular character, the most recognizable icon, well-established in several movies already. So this really was sort of like destined to be kind of a victory lap in a way um, uh, for the year and for the character. And uh, I mean, I I think we can definitely talk about a lot about this movie. I think there's so much about this movie that pays off. There's so much about what they were trying to do that they pulled off extremely well in this film that um, I think it does open that question of like, okay, what is it that makes these movies a little extra special sometimes? This is one of those that made me feel 
those kind of vibes, not just right. oh, I, ju- I just got a great installment in the Marvel in the Marvel saga. This one felt like a movie that everybody involved was trying to make into a big event, and then lo and behold, kind of like Endgame, they actually managed to stick the landing with these moments and these turns. And if you saw it with the crowd, then you definitely felt the crowd having that ride. Uh, it was great. What do you guys yeah, think? You, def- you definitely like. Uh... Well, like we said at the top of the show, like at the end of this, I guess we'll go we'll go out of the show with a couple mild spoilers or just talk spoilers for the movie in general. But just, you know, being more kind of vague about, you know, any of those spoilers or not getting into any of them um, and more general, you know, it, it is one of those things where um, you feel a little spoiled in the sense that, you know, I was talking to a couple other friends about this. And it was like, you know, this and Endgame and um, even if you go back as far as like The Force Awakens, like these movies that really... You know, some some are starting points, some are ending points, um, but just manage to like have that or to provide that cinematic experience in a theater. And, um, you know, if you were able to experience uh, this movie, like John said, with a crowd, you know, on opening weekend or I mean, from what it looks like, even this coming weekend, you know, this movie's going to hold over probably decently considering how much money it made, which, by the way, just quick mentions like, you know, it's breaking records like crazy by the day so you know it's like the number two opening of all time you know behind endgame you know the the biggest sony release ever um you know instantly the biggest movie of 2021 and the pandemic era of that we're looking at like so it's just in the matter of three or four days it's become that so that's amazing kudos like that's just phenomenal for everybody involved um but I think just like this, this cinematic experience that seems, you know, we talked about it a ton on this podcast, you know, um, with with the rise of streaming and the collapsing of theatrical windows, it's it's what kind of movies can really survive this? What kind of movies can still be uh, made for movie theaters and, you know, will always be in movie theaters? And, you know, this one is like the pinnacle of the kind of movie that we're talking about. You know, this is in this league of the movies like I just mentioned that are all timers. And ones that over the past like five or six years have provided such unique theatrical experiences that like they're things that we'll probably talk about for decades. You know, like, you know, um, the way I felt watching The Force Awakens in theaters on opening night, you know, same M game, same with this. Like, it's just a memorable experience beyond even what you think of the quality of the movie. It's just that theatrical thing is Mm-hmm. it's like what you're chasing or at least speaking for myself, it's what I'm chasing when you like want to see these movies with the crowd, especially when you have a choice in certain scenarios to watch them in the comfort and safety and security of your own home at your convenience. Um, but this is the, you know, this is what you're chasing. I think. And, and, you know, yes, I, I too, I was so impressed with, <clears throat> you know, how, how well so much of this movie lands. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, mm-hmm. And, I don't know that really any of the Marvel movies truly are perfect, but a few of them come very close. And I think this probably fits in that conversation. In my opinion, Um, I feel like uh, I kind of came out of this movie finally feeling much higher and more positive about uh, Tom Holland's uh, take on Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And not that I didn't like him as the character in, in any of his standalone movies or, you know, where he was in the Avengers films or the Captain America film um in civil war but it's just something you know that they managed to do in this movie really kind of um frames his character in the kind of light that i was looking for you know and and there's more facets to his character 
um, or his take on this character that you really get to kind of explore in this movie that I didn't find in really any of the other movies that he's in, like beyond liking him as a, as a person and thinking he's very charismatic and, you know, really has a lot of the things that you want to see in Peter Parker and, and Spider-Man. I, I, I was lacking for like, you know, those movies uh, in homecoming and far from home. Like I liked them and they were good to very good in some cases, but um, nothing more than that for me. I don't think either of them, anything i don't think either of those spider-man movies would probably be in like my top five or ten marvel movies um maybe maybe not but this one um different conversation i just think that the way what they managed to do with um <clears throat> we talked earlier about the hawkeye you know and in, in, in just marvel in general like the idea of stakes and you know um repercussions and like the risks um that come with you know these characters being who they are in the world that they're in uh, you know, this is a movie we're talking about for context, you know, but it's just like, you know, you get to go see this in a theater if you feel comfortable doing so. And um, those emotions, those stakes when they hit and when they really try to go for some of those things, I, I personally find that they just kind of hit like tenfold, you know, when it's that yeah. shared experience and it's, it's, it's immeasurable, it, it's unavoidable. And it's just, it's, it, it only, increases the experience in watching the movie for me but in general i thought this movie was pretty incredible and uh quite an achievement for marvel for sony um and for for every single person involved in in in, in this movie so um what did, what did you think ronald um i i'm first I have to say that um interdimensional spider-verse <laughs> travel into the spider-verse the animated movie is the best version of that for me um live action wise this to me is the best told story that uh, this paid off for me in a way that it felt when the first avengers came out right now if you know like this doesn't do the travel between the universes quite as well as the animated version but this does that payoff that we've wanted, you know, it, it didn't take 10 years to do it. The payoff that we have in the, at the end of this trilogy feels so earned. Um, and I think that the, the, what you're talking about with Tom Holland feels like more intentional than I thought when I saw this one, like maybe the progress of this kid. I mean, cause he is a kid, you know? Uh, the decision that decision yeah, like the character was in high school this whole trilogy like yeah, it, yeah, th this movie yeah. is set during his senior year so yeah. even though Tom Holland looks well into his mid-20s at this point <laughs> yeah. this version of Peter Parker was always yeah. the this is the young this is the kid version yeah. you're right and so yeah. this was like the culmination of his coming of age kind of yeah and so when when we when we meet him in this in this movie him dealing with the there's this there's this there's a saying like uh you know i've you know sometimes you do something weird and uh, you not know a, an adult an adult will say to you once you do this thing you're not a kid anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like once you once you hit somebody what you hit once you get into a car accident when you first learn how to drive a car you aren't a kid anymore mm -hmm. you know it's like it's like it, it changes a little bit right and so when you see Tom Holland's progression and the decision that he makes, that is a that is a kid decision that has very adult implications. Mm -hmm. 
play out. It reminded me of why I love movies so much, why I love well-told stories and the interplay between his friends feels more like amazing. Like the villains spectacular, even spectacular, like there are points in this movie where I'm like, I screamed when I, I mean, this, this doesn't give anything when Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe is a steal, a scene steal in son of a bitch. Especially in this role. It's I like everything at, is oh, so you son of a up. bitch. <laughs> How could you? How could you be so good on screen? And I remember you can't the help feeling. It, man. Yeah, you the, can't help it. watching the so we recently rewatched the first Spider Man. And look, guys, if you haven't seen the first one in a while, mm-hmm. go back and watch it. It's so damn good. And then it it, it it's like the gift that keeps on giving. There's so many hints. There's so many pieces of homage throughout this movie. This is good. This is a great movie. Not perfect, but perfect doesn't have to be perfect in order to be perfect. I know that sounds weird. That's so so deep, Ronald. Well, but they say. I I heard someone recently say uh, a perfect movie is not a movie that doesn't have flaws. It's a movie that you forgive its flaws because of how good it is. And I think it's. I, it's you know, perfect it's, in that it, way. It's funny the way you said, Steve, about where this movie ranks, because I remember thinking like, and I, I, again, I don't normally have these thoughts, but I was sort of like, this has got instant like top five MCU potential for me. Like this yeah, is, I agree. And and I, I, I may have liked the other Spider-Man movies a little bit more or appreciated Tom Holland's performance a little bit more, but I too always felt like they were kind of fun, slight palate cleanser type movies in between yeah. these other big movies and if you, even if you look at the villains and the stakes in them they were they were kept relatively small compared to some of the other stuff in the MCU so i agree this is like a real step up to the plate moment in terms of this version of this character and it kind of does make you come out of this going yeah spider-man as the kind of flagship character for marvel it makes sense on this deep emotional level because so much of this movie is about peter parker and his his heroism and what that means to be a hero and like a real, I felt like a really kind of deep and and poignant exploration of what it means to be the person who's trying to do the right thing. Even if you're also the person who makes, like you said, Ronald, a kid decision and fucks things up. So, you know, it's very Peter Parker to make a decision that has ramifications that you then spend the rest of the story trying like crazy to put things right and to own up for and to to correct something that you caused and to have that sort of guilt of this is my fault somehow. It's, it's That to me is part of the Peter Parker story and the way this movie doubles and triples down on that idea of like Peter Parker-ness. What does it mean to respond to threats in this way? What does it mean to try to be a hero? It connected to some of my favorite stuff in the comics that has tried to do that. Um, I don't know if you were thinking of uh, the comic book Superior Spider-Man at all in this story, Ronald, but like uh, this movie found a different way into that idea of yeah. showing showing villains sort of empathize or at least recognize the empathy in Peter Parker. Um, I found that stuff, you know, the fact that so much of this movie is about Peter Parker trying to figure out a way to, to not kill anybody and to not even yeah. kill the bad guys. Um, to me, that says so much about the character. And I, I loved that. I mean, I just thought that stuff was incredible. Um, the, the sort of clunky plot mechanics and, you know, the spells in this movie are a lot like the time travel and in game. <laughs> The movie does have a sentence or two to explain it, and it's like, that's all you need to be off and running with the story. But if you do start to 
pick it apart. Yeah, there are some, I, I don't even think it's that sloppy or messy. It's just comic book storytelling. But yeah. I do think that if you, you can come out of this movie still kind of scratching your head over some of the, the decisions that were made based on the spells and that kind of stuff. But the emotional through lines, I thought were incredibly well worked out and paid off great. Um, and this idea of like a bunch of old villains coming together, it's really fun to sh- just to see those those villains, just to see Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx like hanging around in an apartment, right. you know, butting right. heads and finding out <laughs> finding out their different philosophies, why they're a bad guy, all that yeah. stuff. I felt, and Thomas Hayden Church too, although he's maybe the, the most low-key of any of them. Um, all, there's all these characters that are back in this that it's fun to see them interacting uh, and and to see them treated as more than just a villain of the week. You know, I mean, I feel like this movie answers that question of how does Marvel handle its villains? Why, why do they have a problem with villains? I think this movie kind of does a, a really good job of finding a new spin on, on, on villainy and what it means for one of these yeah. stories. I think that uh, one of the things you mentioned about the villains, like the idea of... Uh, you know so again spoilers at the end here but like the idea of having uh, this idea that you know you're going to have these villains be the characters that come through as as this spell gets messed up and um the layering of which villains they are and like you know from these other sony movies and the idea of um, including Sandman in the villain uh, group, so that he can be the one that explains to you know Doc Ock and Green Goblin, like you guys died, you know, like you know that this is <laughs> this is the point that you left that universe. Yeah. Like that's a really cool storyline. Yeah, and yeah. really well worked out. Really yeah. well. Really worked out. smart to like you know think it through like that because the moment that he does that in the movie because you know the real stakes of you know his character being in the movie he's just another villain in most and in, 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 you know in most comparisons to the rest yeah. of the movie except for and the least villainous of all of them too like he's exactly. the most sympathetic and the most reasonable of any of them exactly and he's the yeah. one you know he's the one of the villains that like has like the mo- he has the turn you know in, in the storyline that he was in before he actually like has to die yeah. you know mm-hmm. and you know, that's an interesting thing to pull in to Tom Holland's story because, um, you know, it's such a vital piece of information as the spark for like him not wanting to just send these people back. You know, like explaining that and finding that piece of information out is really kind of a jumping point for, you know, just how great and how um, just pure of a, of a person Peter Parker is trying to be as Spider-Man. And, you know, and, and that scene, I think, is really incredible. You know, you know, when when they they Norman Osborn and, you know, Doc Ock have like this moment of realization after hearing that of like, well, and then they all kind of have that revelation of like, well, I don't want to go back, you know, you know, and, and I don't know, just the way that that sets in motion the story for the villains in this world beyond just wreaking havoc like it's yeah. just i don't know well, well, Steve, I, it's such I, a creative I, thing to do i think what you're describing for me it reminds me of how smart i felt the movie was being about laying those facts and how once those characters really are having those conversations i was like wow they, they built up to this 
Like, who, like from who's the first one that shows up? How do they do it? Right. Where's Peter Parker and his story? What is Doctor Strange doing? What's going on? There's all this activity going on, pop, pop, pop. And then suddenly you're dealing with this group of characters together. And it was amazingly emotionally involving for me to see them discover that they've kind of been given this, like almost like an afterlife through this yeah. weird spell. And to realize yeah. like, oh, I don't want to go back. And they, again, they all have their own different attitude about like what they were doing. And Jamie Foxx has maybe got the most fun kind of, he he kind of wants to be bad. He's got this power and he's like, oh, I just really want to, oh, I want to <laughs> just be so bad with it. But he's also like uh, not wanting anyone else to make a decision that's like, wait, are you trying to take away this thing, I don't know, there's something interesting yeah. about him that's different from everyone else, you know? Um, yeah. uh, no, I don't know, I just think, I, I just agree. I was getting, like, I was enjoying that build-up so much that, because it's like, so often in these kind of movies, you have a question, and you're like, wait, did they not explain that? Or was I not supposed to have that question? But this movie was like, I would have those questions, and then within a scene or two, one of those characters would be like, wait a minute, what are you doing here if this is going on? And I was like, oh, cool. We're actually going to see them. These very smart, most of these bad guys are pretty smart, you know? Yeah. yeah. We're going to see them putting it together and recognize that none of them really wanted to be evil, you know? Like, none of them started off like evil take over the world types. They were yeah. they were mentally damaged or they what is it uh, you got to be careful what you fall into or something they say at one point <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> we're we're going to get know. where you fall. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. lots of fun stuff going on, but also I think what we're getting at is that emotional underpinning that makes this movie actually work to the point where it's not just that it's a it's an academic idea. Oh, Peter Parker doesn't want to kill the bad guys. It's like we're watching it and we don't want him to kill him either. Like we we agree that this movie would seem kind of brutal if it suddenly decided, "Oh, lives matter but not these characters' lives," you know? Like yeah. So, I don't know. I thought I thought that was they So yeah, we basically if it sounds like we've spoiled the big reveals of this movie, we're really only talking about characters that were revealed in the trailer. Um, I suppose yeah. this is where we might say what we're, we're putting in the stocking for this movie, and then we can get into a, a spoiler special uh, portion. I mean, this is this is a gift card for me. Gift card, no yeah. doubt. For sure. I mean, this yeah. is this is one of the best movies. I mean, I think it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. And like you, like you said, John, like I want to see it again, maybe a couple times. But like, yeah, this this does feel like something that is going to make a run for like one of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, I, you know, the other, the only, the, the last thing I wanted to mention before we get in, and I don't mean to cut you guys off with the gift card thing. I just wanted to mention it before was like, one of the things I felt that was so missing for me in the other Spider-Man movies. And like, even where he shows up in the Avengers movies was like, I didn't really feel like much um, pathos, like for the character, you know, much emotion for Peter Parker. Um, and anytime I did feel it, it was all dependent on his emotional reaction to someone else. Right. And, um, you know, and that's there in this movie. And that's, and that's, and that's a lot of what does work in this movie. But I feel like for the first time as his run, as this character, there's so much more internal pain and internal emotion and internal just turmoil that like i don't really feel like he's really had to face in the other movies and no. i think that it's so dialed up in this and so well balanced that that's really just kind of what sets it over the top for me and i'm just like wow wow like what they tried to do with this and what they decided to do with this character in this movie as a part of their you know trilogy of movies together was um was a bold move and um i think they nailed it so yeah for that i will put a gift card in their stocking um, I don't know what the gift cards to maybe, um, 
maybe to the donut shop that MJ works at. The Mary Jane works at. Oh, pretty good. I, I was going to say like uh, like Lowe's hardware store. It seems like this at the end at the end of this <laughs> movie. It, some it stuff. seems like Peter Parker <laughs> might need to to you know like some late night trips to the hardware store to to fix some stuff up. So yeah. Um, but yeah, um, gift card for sure. Five hundred dollar Amazon gift card because you oh, could just nice. get whatever you want at that yeah. point. Yeah, there you yeah. go. It's a good movie. I mean, in New York, like it's you know you got like uh, like within an hour delivery there, right? Like you yeah. get the Am- Amazon hour delivery there, so you can get it like instant. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> would you say it's amazing, Ronald? I would say it was amazing. Better than the amazing. <laughs> who else would you say is amazing? Is there anything else about this there's, movie that we could talk about that might be amazing? There's, there's nothing. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Any spoiler, spoiler. Turn back coming. now if you don't yeah. want to know the thing. We that, love you guys ev- for listening. Yeah. That everybody Happy knew. Merry Christmas. Spoiler, yeah. spoiler. <laughs> uh, there's a meme that I love of two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Just really cool. But add another Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. to that meme. You oh got God. three guys. Let's try to do spoilers. a point like like with our windows here. I don't know where the. Yeah, you're like you're right and you're you're to right of me and you're below me so much. I'll just do finger guns. Psh, psh, psh. Uh, those weren't finger guns. What was that? <laughs> it's getting late. Yes, there's trigger. The trigger. Um, I was like wiggling the. <laughs> it's like the, the bendy guns. But yes, we're talking about the 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 hidden in plain sight. The rumor that we all knew was true. Yeah. Tom Holland himself said, "I'm so glad I can stop lying to people now when they ask me questions." Um, this movie featured. Um, uh, all the Spider-Mens is from yeah. from all the you know at least the the franchises the film franchises Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all on screen playing their versions of Peter Parker opposite each other. I mean those scenes were fucking magic. I would have watched a movie of just three Peter Parkers talking about techniques and comparing notes on what one of them has been through. I thought yeah. this movie it it just was some of the best earned banter that you've gotten in a recent oh Marvel movie. It was funny just let it, and, and let touching. Keep happening. And the way they all three had their own way of looking at things and like Andrew Garfield is fucking great as Peter Parker um and it was amazing to see him get to sh- to remind us that he was never the problem with those movies he, he was, oh my he was God. fantastic he was Absolutely. not he's such a good Spider-Man go back and watch the first amazing Spider-Man good lord is he good at that movie even his he's voice so, he, he's he so sounds good. like the guy you would get to do the voice acting on a Spider-Man cartoon he's got like yes. that sarcastic kind of a little bit annoying i don't know it's just you know, and then and then Toby's got an emo take that's just as endearing. But yeah, Andrew yeah. Garfield for me was sort of the big surprise. Yeah. yeah, I think that's across the board. He definitely seems to be the one uh, that people are are just tons of love going out to Andrew. And I think also partly because he probably did the best job of just denying this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> through and through in every press interview he's done over the last couple of years. But yeah, he was incredible. <laughs> um, I think he definitely stands out as like the MVP in in some ways of this movie because. He does kind of have that uh, that weight kind of carried on him of like how poorly those and it's it's weird because those movies really didn't do that poorly. They just kind of underperformed compared to right. what else was in the marketplace at that time. And you're talking about the MCU kind of kicking in the second gear, and and you know those movies dropping off from one to two is not good. You know, like that's a bad form. Right. Um, yeah. But again, he was not ever the problem with those movies. The you know the the movies were, you know, just the writing. I don't know. Just, just, just the, the movies are. I always found them to be fun and entertaining. But like you know, when you think about what else is on the marketplace and what else is out there, 
Um, they definitely seem to be lacking in a lot of ways. Why didn't but they bring back the in... diarrhea version of Green Goblin from uh, right, or or was it Hobgoblin? I can't remember which one it was. It was one of the goblins, right? Yeah, Green, was... yeah, Dane Dane Dehan, Dane Dehan. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, that, that's like the immediate thing, though. You know, is when you get that scene, um, and you and you first see Andrew and then Toby come through, and they kind of have their moment together, and then finally when all three of them meet up, and you have you know Tom Holland's Peter Parker, like his friends, kind of priming him for what's coming and like that we have some people that need to talk to you because it's at a very low point for him yeah, he's um, just lost aunt may and yeah and it's a, and, and this is the emotional thing that they've decided to do with this trilogy to kind of set it apart and differentiate it from the other filmed versions of spider-man that basically you know this trilogy is an origin story or it, it is like a way to reset this character not only for you know the mcu slash sony spider-man universe but just just to reset the character that Tom Holland is giving us as as Peter Parker and Spider-Man, um, which is the piece that I was alluding to earlier, just like a really fucking bold move that I think they completely land. And I you think mean, you inclusion- mean where he is at the end? Yes. Yes. Like, OK, yes. In, a, in a homemade suit living yes. on his own with no one's yes. funding and nobody's yeah. friendship and nobody's and complete, knowledge of who he is. Yeah. And complete. And then an, 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 and, yeah, an and he's got a police scanner. And he's yeah. using a police scanner to find petty crimes to go fight. And he goes swinging into the snowy night in his little homemade yeah. suit. Man, I fucking loved that so much. Me that too. felt so right. And it felt like it didn't, even, it didn't even occur. To, it was amazing and spectacular. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, but it, it felt, it, it felt um, like, oh, I didn't even, didn't even occur to, it didn't even occur to me they took this many movies to get this this version of Peter Parker to that spot that we know Spider-Man kind of lives in, which is the yeah. no help, no friends, uh, you know, nobody understands. Like, yeah. as much as I loved, and I was even saying to my son before seeing this movie, you know, this version of Peter Parker has kind of been, oh, he's got Tony Stark's money and all these nanobot suits, and he's got friends, and he's got people that know who he is, like Aunt May, all these people in his life, his life's so integrated, you know? It's like he's the happy Spider-Man, and I said, "Well, you know that can't go on forever. They can't keep giving us a Spider-Man who who ends the movie with his best friend and his girlfriend by his side." You know what I mean? You can't. You can't. Yeah. That's not yeah. Peter Parker. Peter Parker's always losing and struggling, and that's why we love him so much. And uh, I thought it was beautiful. Uh, really, I thought it was. If, if we don't come back to his version of Spider-Man for a while. Although I'm sure that Sony's already figuring out how to how to do this, but I'm just saying if if we leave him for a movie or two, maybe Miles Morales comes in for a movie, maybe Gwen gets her her moment. Um, this was a great way to just leave Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man. You know, it's a great last yeah. image. There's there's like something pretty heavy about being able to talk to Spider-Man at these different ages. There's this short on Disney Plus that you should check out called Twenty Something about a woman's uh, 21st birthday um, where she's like trying to find her adulthood and uh, it shows her head in this jacket and then beneath her are like three stages of her kind of in this jacket crying because she's afraid of growing up and her inner monologue is represented in these three stages of her life and it really feels like this is sort of a thing you know you if you could only tell yourself, you know, current you that like, you know, midway through, it ain't that bad. Like you'll you'll get over this one thing that you're feeling shitty about. If you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell yourself, you know? And he has 
although these people don't look exactly like him, they've had a, a, a shared experience of having this weight of this responsibility on your shoulder, which we all do as adults have mm-hmm. unique sort of powers and, and responsibilities that we have to take on. And, you know, I, I, th- I thought about how, how cool that was to, to just, just for a glimpse, ha- you know, have an older version of yourself say it's okay. Well, you get yeah. to my age, you'll be fine. Kind of, kind of like it's going to be okay, kid. You know, like yeah. you're just a kid. Yeah. We see that that scene where they all shared their miseries. For one yeah. thing, it was like the torch because Tobey Maguire always had the best like ugly cry face, but the torch was passed to Tom Holland, who's who. I had no idea that, that kid had such a good ugly cry face, but he got so he, he got so fucking deep into that. I mean, like that really was getting me. Just his his like red eyes and like that whole moment from when May died to like when they talked to him on the roof. It was yeah. all just intense for him. But him finding that they had their own tragedies was really affecting. And then also that you get a little redemption in this story for them. Like Toby's the elder statesman. He's seen a little bit more. His redemption was more in stopping. Tom Holland's Peter from making this choice from either letting the bad guy die or killing uh, uh, Norman Osborn. But it's like that redemption for Toby was like, I can now, I can now help someone else avoid the mistake I've made of having villains yeah. who've died. Um, yeah. Very mature. And if he had died in that moment, it would have made me sad, but it would have felt like an earned death. I have to say, I liked him being like, don't worry, I've been stabbed before. I can take it. But yeah. in that br- in that brief moment, I felt like, yeah. oh, wow, if they're going to do that, that's the way to do this, is have him die this face-to-face, eye-to-eye with young Peter Parker that we know so he can see like what heroism looks like. You know, It includes this moment, stopping you from doing a thing you might never... Re- forgive yourself for. And then the obvious redemption for Andrew Garfield's character of getting to save MJ. I mean, incredible moment. Like it's, if I Man, talk too much about scene. it, I might get a little choked up, but it was intense. That was, that was a lot, yeah. and, you know, cause you've, you want that for him again, it's Peter Parker, but it's also somehow it's Andrew Garfield. We want to see him get to have this, this big crowd pleasing moment. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, and, and you talk, we, you know, the cinema, the, the theatrical, you know, the crowd, you know, like he gets some of the biggest moments mm-hmm. in the whole movie, like multiple moments uh, mm. belong to Andrew Garfield in this movie. And including, you know, the joke of the the, the the meme, you know, that moment is great, plays great. Him saving her plays great. Um, him even coming through the portal at the beginning saves, you know. Yeah. Everything he does in meet. this movie is just, is just phenomenal. He's so good in this movie as Peter and Spider-Man and, and all these things. But, um, yeah, the 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 the, um, the MJ scene is just like, I mean, some people would you say it's cheesy, heavy handed, whatever, but I I think that scene works so well, and mm-hmm. him asking her if she's okay, yeah, is like it, like you said, it, it it'll make me emotional talking about it. Like mm-hmm. it's so good, it's so good, and it's because you know it's 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 just uh, I would say my only. You know, and, and it not being perfect for me, there's a couple of things like, you know, uh, just plot plot dynamics that kind of are questionable for me. But like you mentioned the whole like, you know, Toby being stabbed, that sequence. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that the, I did not like that sequence at all, personally. I mean, the joke is fun after the fact, especially because like they've spent time like cracking each other's backs and like talking about feeling better and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that part like, was great. So, the, so like the stabbing is, is a fun joke. But like, I feel like the scene just kind of like plays so much better with him just kind of 
being in that moment with Tom and like seeing yeah. this is not the way to do it. And then I don't know. I don't know. It's like the stab is so weird for me. That scene is probably one that bothers me the most because a moment later they save, you know, he saves Norman and like, like Toby saves Norman physically from this thing coming down on him. And then the other two Spider-Man like team up to get that antidote into him. But I just feel like that could have still happened without Toby being stabbed. <laughs> stabbed. It, it was. It was. It just felt like one of those. No, false, it felt like. Oh my it, god, they're, they're killing Toby McGuire. I like lost my mind for a second, and I was like, "What?" That felt no, cheap for a second. It's it, it is no, nothing else in the movie felt, felt right. Well, it's like I liked the I liked the 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 joke well enough because that's they're obviously oh they're not going to kill him. But in the moment right. where it seemed like they're going to kill him, you're sort of like. They did something you might not have expected them to do. So I do think that it, whenever something like that, and that might, it's not just a Marvel thing. A lot of franchises do it. Yeah. They, they tease yeah, yeah, yeah. something that feels like a bolder step than they, maybe they're willing to take, you know, which is fine. Right, right. And it doesn't, it doesn't do that much to undermine the emotional import of that moment. But it, it, does, is not. A, it does It not. is a little it's, bit it's like a, you could have just cut the stab. Yeah, yeah. You could have just left the stab out completely. And it That's, would have been the same movie, essentially. And I think that, you're right, it, it feels a little cheap. It's like um, there's a Chewbacca death fake out in The Rise of Skywalker yeah. that's like that. Or, like, or the C-3PO memory yeah, wipe. Like, it's right. just like, these things just kind of like feel like a fake out. And I feel like, like you say, take that stab out. And instead, as he's standing there, like, in, in, in direct, like, stare with Toby, like, just have Andrew walk up and, like, hand him that, that antidote and let yeah. him do it. Like, it's like, this yeah. is the mercy... This is the right thing. Like you don't need to do that. Like I just feel like that that would have been a little bit more of a powerful, like like team up scene to mm -hmm. really get his version of Peter Parker to that point without like a fake out stab scene. Because like the crowd lost their damn mind when that happened, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my god, they just did that after he's talking about just making things work with Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Like, <laughs> no, let him get back to her, please. I like, yeah. though, that when they asked him about it, he was like, yeah, it's complicated. Because it's, it's like, e yeah. even as a person who's watched those movies, you're like, yeah. what is the status of their relationship? I don't know. Right, right. Uh, this, yeah. yeah, you're right, though, man. This movie is a miracle. It's kind of like, it is, and it is magical in so many ways, and so many scenes are just uh, all-timers, man. Like, I, I, I keep telling my, like, this guy I work with, we always talk about it. But like that sequence of them when they're like, I think it's when they're swinging up to that ta to the Statue of Liberty, mm -hmm. and it's like them, it's all three of them in their own unique way that they swing, you know, yeah. and they're at the peak height of their swing, and like the moon is behind them, and it's their facade or their silhouettes. Yeah, that is like, wow, cool, like man. I need. Well, that then they land, and it's like three different stances too, like different styles of kind of it's, posing. It's just so it's, it's so, so cool. It's yeah. so cool, man. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a what a freaking movie! What a blast! And uh, again, I feel spoiled, man. Like I feel like you know, especially going through movies being so weird, you know, for the past couple of years. It's like, and even a couple episodes back, we were talking about like Dune and Bond, like you know, these big blockbusters coming out. You know, it's like after quite a, a dry spell over the past two years, and it's like this movie comes about, and whatever's happening in the world right now. With COVID still and this new variant, it's like this movie found a window to still come out. Yeah, it seems like at the tail end of what still might be a safe period. Yeah, and do its thing and let you know, kind of you you know, just I don't know, make a mark and write its write its place into some sort of history books. And you know, it's like I don't know, man. Like I was, 
I felt very, very uh, privileged to be able to see it. And uh, I, I also saw it in a, as exciting as I was seeing it with a crowd, like I was very comfortable seeing it. Like we bought out the seats around us too. Mm -hmm. Like, so we had buffers around us because um, mm -hmm. Aaron came with me. It was her first time back to the movies uh, since the pandemic started. So um, we did everything we could to feel comfortable. And I definitely did. And I still got to benefit from that crowd interaction, but at a distance. Um, uh, but uh, man, I can't wait to see it again. Hope, I don't know if I'll be able to see it again the way things are looking, but I'd like to, uh, if possible. Um, By the way, what do you think of just tacking on a trailer as the post credit scene? I thought that was kind of a cool... That was cool a, as hell. A cool man. feeling thing to do. It's and so smart. It so looks smart. really cool. And as far as how that story seems to be piggybacking directly on, on this mm -hmm. one, it just made you more excited for that, though Doctor Strange will return. That just... That, yeah. And... It, you feel the Sam Raimi-ness. There's a little something different yeah. going on in the yeah. look and feel of this Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. And it it doesn't come out until May of uh, 2022. I kind of like this. We've got a nice... I, I like this little six-month buffer now that we've had so much Marvel. This is a good place to leave me. Uh, you know, Absolutely agree. For yeah. six months. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Spider-Man, No Way Home in theaters no for a long time, I guess, until yeah. it comes to Disney+. Plus. Actually, no, I don't think this one comes to Disney Plus. Yeah, because it's Does it? all Sony. No, it's what's well, Sony, but Disney. Hmm. Yeah. I have to look into that. I have to look I into that. Well, I, I don't think so either, but they do have some sort of deal with Marvel. Yeah. But I don't know if it has. Because Netflix has the deal with Sony. Yeah, so first it's priority. Probably going, it, it's probably going to Netflix. Yeah. Um. Crazy, dude. Yeah, they they released the Blu-ray art for it, and it looks the steel book for that shit looks amazing for Spider-Man. For Spider-Man, they already I didn't see it. Like I didn't see it. I got they released it the um steel book art and stuff like that for it. So I'm I'm looking forward to it being at home. Like I, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we could sure. watch it on our TVs and pause it and oh god i never noticed that and i can't wait for that i can't wait for that well i loved seeing the shot that that was what everyone suspected remember the shot in the trailer where the, yeah, the, the villains three, are yeah. jumping out and you see the lizard's head go back yes and everyone was like it looks like they digitally removed another spider-man from this shot and that shot was right there in the movie uh, i thought that was that was kind took of gratifying the, took to them see right out yeah took them right out of that scene strange yeah, the lizard's in this too. We didn't really mention him. He's fun. Yeah. He's well done. It's just there's not much for that character to do in the soup of all these other characters. He's he's kind of destined to be the other guy standing around. Poor guy. When you've got these 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 dynamic and, characters. Uh, and another reason why poor Andrew's uh, Spider-Man movies didn't really work is that like <laughs> whatever their goal was to build to, I guess you know, with yeah. this, uh, there was rumors of like the sinister sticks of it all, but. Uh, that uh, the, I the villains and the villains in his movies were uh, very not good. I liked him saying like I fought a like a Russian gangster in a in a rhinoceros costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him joking about the quality of his villains. Yeah, that that's a that's a nice little that's a nice little hit at Sony for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to fight an you, alien. You think he gets? You think he gets? You think he gets another Spider-Man movie? You think he'd I, do it? I think Andrew the door Garfield? is open. I think the door is open for either one of those guys to do something now. I, I don't know. I I don't think we've seen the last of 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 both of them. It's possible I think that, Toby's done. It's possible Toby's done, but somehow I, I feel like Andrew done. Garfield would be in the conversation. Like his character 
didn't seem it almost felt like they were queuing him back up you know what i mean yeah. to, to do something yeah. but i don't know why he, they would he, need him frankly with all the stuff they have going on so well i mean you, t- you see how the movie ends and you right. basically realize that this is not in sony's in venom's world you know what right. i mean so like yeah. maybe maybe he's from venom's world you know maybe that's a way to get him involved in that um, no that's a good point it. But yeah, I he, he just, he's just like so primed. Like, you know, he's got this groundswell of love and uh, that know, he deserves. Yeah. And I just feel like, and it was so apparent that he was having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. like just so into it and so enthusiastic, which he always had been. But yeah, I don't know, man. I loved it. Can't wait to see it again. Everyone should watch the supercut of him denying being in the movie. Someone's made a <laughs> oh shot. God. Like they put together every time, every time he was asked. But wow. uh, yeah, for everything that he's legitimately should be in consideration for for Oscars this year, whether it's <laughs> uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye or Tick Tick Boom, the real yeah. contender, the real real they they should be watching is that supercut. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of him denying well, I mean, being in ha- Spider Man No Way Home. How good an actor is he? Well, let's find out. He's, you know? not, yeah. he's yeah. not good. <laughs> Just play the compilation. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was yeah. He and he did it in a way that felt so like. How dare you ask me this? Like right. it felt like that a lot. But he like, was always so nice about it, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, He was always like, I, I, you know, I had a yeah. really good time being Spider-Man. Yeah. I, it, some things didn't work out, but it was a really great opportunity. Like I'm not in it, but like I can't wait to see it. Like I hope, I hope it's awesome. Like he was so, he was so positive about it. Still, <laughs> but what's funny is to think now we know he was saying that, knowing that he just might steal the movie. Like he's yeah, that's going, right. I, I just might. Yeah, he's I just like, might be I got the best the, Peter Parker. Yeah, the the, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the ace is up my sleeve, and I'm gonna oh. act like I have nothing to do with this fucking movie. <laughs> so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, go see it if you haven't. If you're comfortable doing so, if not, wait. Eventually, it'll come on. I guess we've decided Netflix will probably get it. But yeah, um, according to us, it, it's got Netflix. <laughs> breaking, breaking news! Breaking news! Yeah. It's going to Netflix. <laughs> Um, cool man all right well let's wrap this up a swing out of here we got to get on to christmas uh yeah um, Yeah. so we'll get together uh i guess right before the new year hopefully and uh catch up on some other stuff moviesmovie.com is the website you can go there and really jump into any of our portals um and uh social media youtube we're everywhere um if you can find a podcast if you subscribe to it please leave a review if it's available or a star rating whatever you can do to leave some sort of feedback We'd really appreciate it. Um, so I guess we'll see you just before the other side, just before the new year comes. And then yeah. and then we'll see you after again. And then again and again, all the way to 350 episodes. Yeah. And that's where we check out, guys. Yeah. If you're new to the show, you don't know this little bit of lore, but uh, we decided back at episode 175 that we were halfway there. Right. And uh, so 350 is coming up. So Yeah. So strap in it's gonna be a bumpy ride guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right man we'll see you guys soon good seeing you both and mm-hmm. uh as always you've made our day thanks bye